Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Good morning. We're in the middle of our... I like this one. I'm different. No, no, no. I'm cool. I don't want the big one. Thank you, Kyle. Give it up, Kyle. What you ought to know is that actually weighs 200 pounds, and he throws it around like it's nothing. We're in the middle of our series, This Is Us. It is our corny title for the 2020 series. Uh, what's cool about what I think what we're doing here is we're talking about who we are. We're not talking about what we're going to do in 2020. Every other church, we're talking about what's going on in 2020. We're talking about us here right now, today. This is us. Our key verse for this series is so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect on the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. That is 2 Corinthians 3. 18. Last week, we talked about connection and how that's such a fantastic thing that we need to focus on, a connection to how we all come together. And if there's one thing Life Pointers know how to do, it's connect. We all like to hang out with each other and talk and, glory to God, eat together. We do that well. If you've ever been at a small group or not so small group, our small groups have like 30 people in a living room and enough food to feed an army. It's fantastic. Our fifth Sunday family night, we're out here throwing cornholes and doing all sorts of fantastic things, and it's great. We connect very well. This week, we're talking about growth. Our message or our, our, uh, our church motto or however you want to call it is connect, grow, serve. There it is. Connect, grow, serve. And this is what I tell people is this is not just the three words that make up who we are. It is the order in which we do things. So first... We connect, because if you're not connected here, then probably not a lot's going to get done here in the life point. If we're not connected, if we're all discombobulated, we come in and cash our church card and leave and don't do anything else about it, not a whole lot's going to get done, right? Fantastic. Then, only then, if we are connected, then we grow, and then if we're growing, we serve. You'll hear a lot about that when, when you take growth track. <laughs> our key verse for today is 1 Timothy 4, 12-16. We're reading from the Holman Bible. It says, let no one despise you because of your youth. Instead, you should be an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, and in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy and with the laying on of hands by the council of leaders. Practice these things and be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. Preserve in these things, for by doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is a part of a letter called an epistle. An epistle was not, in a, was not a wife of an apostle. It was actually the letter that an apostle would write to a church, a congregation. It would be the equivalent as, as my dad is in Israel having fun he's taken so many selfies i'm just saying it's 
So it's like a kid in Disney World. He's like, look, this is a wall that Jesus touched. He's, just, he's having the time. And I'm so happy for him. It, but let me just, I'm going to complain for like two seconds, okay? So my dad's like, son, what do you want me to bring you back from Israel? And I said, I want a shofar. For those of you who don't know what a shofar is, it's a ram's horn like this long that's like, like you blow. And it's like a giant horn. And he's like, first of all, I'm not giving you that kind of power to have a giant horn in church. Second of all, I'm not checking a giant ram's horn in my bag. It's going through TSA like, sir, why do you have a, a ram's horn in your bag? And it's like, guess you don't love me as much as I thought, Dad, but it's okay. But it's as if while well, he's far away in Israel on the other side of the world, as if he wanted to communicate with us, and this was thousands of years ago, you can't send a text message or a Facebook or a FaceTime or whatever. There's one way to get information across land, and that is with a letter, Right? Some of us in here remember letters. I know email, but um, I remember a couple of years ago, I used to, some of y'all remember, I used to run a tire shop and uh, we had to mail a check and I had to teach somebody simultaneously had to write a check and send a letter. It was awesome. Um, but imagine this, imagine you want to get some information and you want to teach or inspire or exhort. And what we mean by exhort, when it says in here, exhortation is spiritual encouragement and uplifting, whether it's in written form or verbal or however it is, that's what exhortation is. But let's say we want to send a message across the world. We have to send it through a letter. And so what's happening here is Timothy is receiving this letter. And so this is directly meant to him. It's not through a group of people. Uh, it's not to a church. It's not to a nation. It's specifically to Timothy. And he's saying, let no one despise you because of your youth. And we use that scripture all the time. They were like, kids can do great things for the Lord. And that's true. We, we like to use that of just because you're not old and you don't have all this experience behind you that you can do lots of great things for God. And that's absolutely true. Because even in, in, in this time when it seemed like younger people were older, and I, that's the only way I know how to describe that. If you were like 13, you had like a wife and kids and a donkey and goats and a job. And now 13-year-olds have iPads. Um, but he's saying because you're young, people are going to look down at you. But don't, but don't worry about that. And that's where I want us to start today. So imagine with me, now everybody in the room for this Conversation is going to be very, very young. Even you, Mom. And <laughs> love you. Dad wasn't here. So um, we're, everybody's very young. But we're not young in the, in the age sense. Imagine this. We're all very spiritually immature. We're all very spiritually inexperienced. You know, we talked about how each of us have a story, but we're very new to a story. And what we want to say is, I want to grow spiritually. I want to further other people, but I don't have a whole, lot of, a whole lot of experience under my belt. You know, I'm the new guy on the job. You know, I, I can't teach anybody anything because even though I may know something about it, I can't really help somebody else grow. So first, I need to grow, right? And ultimately, that's where we all are. No matter where we are in life, we're all at a point right now that we need to grow further in our spiritual walk. We've never, no one ever hits the tabletop and you're like, you know what, I've reached it. I got the halo, I'm glowing, I, you know, sprinkle dust behind me or angel, whatever, the sparkly stuff, glitter, when I'm walking around and I smell like olive oil and I'm just holy. But listen, 
No one ever reaches that point. And so if we ever think that we have, then you probably need to grow some more. So we're all spiritually immature is what we're going to call it. And that doesn't sound good because there's some people in the room that I greatly look up to. And they're just, to me, like patriarchs of the faith. Like you're just so fantastic and have so much knowledge. But for this conversation, we're all spiritually immature. And we need to grow further. So what do we do to grow further when we feel like we don't know where to go? Has anybody ever started a new job and a new career after being a part of a previous career that had nothing to do with the new one? You're used to being, I'm, you know, I'm the top, you know, for me, it was when I in, entered the automotive world professionally after being at Chick-fil-A for like 208 years. I was like, I ran a Chick-fil-A. I knew what I was doing. I was doing great. And I step in to run a tire shop and I'm like, I have no idea what I'm but people are looking at me like, you need to know what you're doing because you're kind of going to be in charge here. But what's our first instinct when we get in those situations? Is it to ask for help? No. If you do, you're a lot better person than me. What, what, do I say fake it till you make it? <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about, but if I say it in a way that you think I do, you're going to believe me. But what's funny is, what, you know, everybody's laughing because we've all done that. We've all been in a situation that we probably, you know, stepped into before we were ready, which, quite frankly, we can do spiritually pretty easily. And then we're like, you know what? I'm here. I'm just going to pretend I know what I'm doing. It's kind of how I felt when I became a dad. <laughs> Got to pretend like I know what the heck I'm doing here. I remember in the hospital, they're like, hey, can you change a diaper? And I'm like, No. I'm not going to fake this one. I can't do this. <laughs> They're like, all right. So, and I, I think I put it on backwards the first time, the diaper thing. And it, it was bad. I was scolded. So, but so we starting, so we're starting over. You know, when I, when, when I started over, I got yelled at a lot. Anybody ever get yelled at at your job? Feels great. Anybody ever yelled at somebody at your job? That makes you feel great, though, doesn't it? Like, you know what? I got yelled at, so you're going to get yelled at. And there's a saying that goes along with that about rolling downhill. But listen, everybody knows what I'm talking about, though. You've all been in a position where you were new at something, and the way you got taught was by somebody who'd been doing it. I've been here since 1957, and you should have seen the summer of 65, and it was snow up to our eyeballs. It wasn't, but it just seems like Someone always has so much experience and they know so much more than you and you're an idiot for not knowing as much as they do. And quite frankly, that's how the church has operated for a very, very long time. I have a dear friend and I've used this example before. He was a pastor. He was a missionary in China for seven years. And his job was his ministry. And, and some of y'all, I'm sure, have heard of the cultural standards of um, the Chinese people and the way they treat their kids. You know, it's already hard enough. There's so many kids up for adoption because they, they want to have a son and they want to have a successful kid. And that's their lineage is such a huge, big deal. His job was not to keep kids alive. It was to keep special needs kids from getting killed in China. And I see, I follow him on Facebook and we talk when we can. And he, like, the deal with their visas and all these things are just absolutely, it's just a headache trying to stay over there and keep doing the ministry that he's been called to do. And he's back over there now. But he came over for a short stint and he got a job pastoring a church. 
And he he had a now granted, you know, we have a wonderful facility here, but this church had a big sanctuary, had a huge fellowship hall, had a gym, had a parsonage, just a fantastic facility. And he sat down at a meeting and he said, sat down with his elder board and he goes, All right, guys, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad that I, I get this opportunity. And, and I just want us all to, to, to brainstorm real quick. And I want us to figure out what we can use these amazing facilities for to outreach our community. All right, go. We don't want to. What do you mean you don't want to? Uh, we're, we're happy with how things are right here. And any new ideas that have been put up about bringing in kids from uh, uh, the, the bad parts of town or bringing in kids that, that didn't have parents or that were, were spending their time doing less than great things and using this church as a kind of a home base for bringing in people, we don't, we don't want those kids here. We don't want, we don't want the, the church to get run down. We, just, we, we like how things are. Yeah, he left. But listen... When we're trying to grow spiritually, there was this idea that's been coming up for so long of you've got to look a certain way, you've got to dress a certain way, and then and only then are you holy enough to come to the church. So you need to get your stuff together before you come to church, when you're out there, and then you're good enough to show up in here. And as soon as you slip up, we're going to make sure everybody knows about it. And once everybody knows about it, we're going to make sure everybody reminds you about it. And then when you finally, we think you're good enough to come on in, it's now expected that you treat other new people the same way. And see, that may be one thing in a mechanic shop, but when we're in a church and we're trying to grow non-believers and bring the lost into a hurting, yelling and scolding is not how Jesus did it. And so... When we're reading this, it says, No one despises you. You should be an example to believers in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Lead by example. Growth, spiritual growth, is not about trying to walk a straight and narrow line of perfection. It's about every day trying to lead as an example to others. And what does it say? Conduct, so act like you're saved. Speech, talk like you say, love, which I don't even need to explain, in faith and in purity. Did any of that say, let's see, your, your hair got to look a certain way, your, your, your jeans got to look a certain way. No, oh, never mind, you can't wear jeans. Um, you know, you got to, no, it didn't. It basically what I'm saying is, listen, you're going to say you're saved, you need to act like you're saved. And yelling at people for, no one got yelled into salvation. Listen, I got, I remember, listen, I was probably 12 years old. And I grew up in church and, you know, like I said, I got a VeggieTales testimony like I talked about. And I remember there was this, we were, we were in, and my dad's told the story, we were in a revival service and there's this little short fireball preacher that was like, I was 12 and I was eye, eye level with him. And I wasn't like Benjamin Robertson 12, I was like normal 12. <laughs> And he tried to push me down in the altar. And you know what I did? I was like, square up, homie. (laughs) 
Not about, I was like, no, that's not how this, that's not how any of this works. You don't push somebody down in an altar. You don't, you don't check somebody in the altar. You don't hit them with a Bible. You know, I think the only good thing that came out of having our Bibles on our cell phones is no one gets hit with them anymore. You can't beat salvation into somebody. And that is my entire memory of that service. I don't remember what he preached about. I don't remember anything about the guy. I just remember I got into some sort of wrestling match in the altar with the preacher. <laughs> Bucket list check, okay? <laughs> but that didn't grow me at all spiritually. It's a cool story. That's about it. But let me tell you what I remember growing spiritually. As I remember when I was... Anybody, anybody go through college in the least bit? They didn't have to finish. You know, you just you went to college at some point. Anybody stay on campus out of college? Think about this. So there's, there's a thing called a sophomore slump. And if you don't know what it is and you're going to college, you're about to find out. <laughs> you're finishing up your core classes. You've done decent enough. You've made some friends. And then all of a sudden you have this immense pressure of you now have to decide in one week what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And believe it or not, some 20-year-olds tend to freak out a little bit. I know I did. I remember I'm coming to the end of my sophomore year, and I'm like, i got to figure out what I'm going to do. I hate the college I'm in. I'm not, I was a, listen, I was a finance major. Anybody knows me, like, he, he don't need to be counting. <laughs> I was a finance major, and I was, I remember I was in, I was, <laughs> I was in class on my computer trying to figure out what I, what I was going to do, because I'm like, this ain't going to work. I'm going to fail this class anyways. Might as well try to figure something else out. And I remember I was, I was talking to a Navy recruiter and Bible college at the same time. Gospel truth. And on one hand, I was like, and this is, you know, I've told some people in here the story. I was talking to a Navy recruiter, and I had a background in automotives. I was going to go be a hydraulics engineer in the Navy. And I thought, you know what? I'll work on boats, live at the beach the rest of my life. It'll be cool. On the other hand, I'm applying to a manual college, and I was going to be a music uh, major. And they both seemed like good options. I ended up going to a manual, obviously. And then um, I dropped music, the music program in the first two days because I can't read music. <laughs> Imagine that. So I, you have to take, it's funny, funny sad story. You have to take an entrance exam when you get in music school, if anybody's ever done it. You have to take a performance exam. You have to take a written exam. I aced my performance exam, even in like the vocal category, and I can't sing. I aced it. I'm like, heck yeah. Like, we're going to need you to take a written exam. Y'all want to know what I made on the written exam? A seven. <laughs> Not out of ten, out of a hundred. I made a seven. I was like, is that good enough? They're like, no, that's, that's not good enough. <laughs> and so I changed my major to a pastoral ministries major, and the rest is history. But the group of guys I met there, there was this chapel on campus. And it was literally the size of like, I mean, it was, I want to say it was like a 20 by 10. The whole church was like 20 by 10. And there were six pews. Um, and it wasn't used for anything except it was a prayer center that you could go to. And me and seven of my best friends would go in there on Friday nights at nine o'clock and spend hours praying and talking about the crazy life issues and questions we had. And that's not orthodox and that's not what it's supposed to sound like. And half the time, you know, we were neglecting studying or whatever. And we were sitting in this room talking to each other about what we were going to do with the rest of our lives. With maybe nothing more than an open Bible. And, you know, we're supposed to be in this 
Pentecostal Holiness College, by God. Learning and growing spiritually, and all of us are questioning what the heck we're going to do with the rest of our lives because we didn't know. And where our ministries were going to go, or if we were going to be missionaries, or, in the, or if we were going to be scholars, or if we were going to be pastors, what we were going to do. Because we didn't know. We, you know, we called, jokingly called some of the professors members of the Sanhedrin. That would tell us, if your grades aren't right, if you don't have straight A's, your heart is clearly not right with the Lord. I got told that. I got, you know, I got kicked, not kicked out of class, but I got asked to leave class one day because I wore Carhartt overalls to class and that dress code was not acceptable. Those were nice overalls too. <laughs> but I have these group of men that are supposed to be pouring knowledge and information into me. They're supposed to be growing me and helping me understand the ins and outs of spirituality and Christianity and theology. But some of them, all I remember is them telling us how not good enough we were. How somehow our grades and our dress was a reflection of our spirituality. And that the knowledge that they had attained, that they could write you the missionary journeys of Paul on a wall. That they could quote three chapters of scripture at a time. That they somehow had these answers figured out. And so what are we supposed to think at a time like this? We've dedicated our lives to a cause and have abandoned all, you know, because you don't go, no one goes into a pastoral ministries major like, we're looking for a financial gain on the end of this one. We've abandoned all prospects of fortune and riches. We've, we've committed our lives to a cause of faith and get told that somehow because we failed a test that our spirituality isn't where it should be. And we're getting looked down on because of our youth. But what I never got taught in those classes, now granted, I took some classes that changed my life, that were wonderful. I had some professors that I think are just the greatest people on the planet. And I had some that I think are not. <laughs> but I, I remember I took a class and I took, we took the spiritual gifts test and it was fun and we talked about it and we explained it. And that's why I did that in growth track. That's why I want there to be a spiritual gifts test in growth track because of the experience that I had in Bible college and the conversations that we had and the things that it prompted and the great opportunities we had. That's why I want that in there. I remember there was a professor who was, he, he, he was a musical genius played in orchestras and all these other things, but he was the dean of the Christian Ministries program because that's what God had called him to do. And he taught us the theory behind learning and growing ourselves spiritually. And that's why I do that in Grow Track. Because somebody took the time with me to invest into me and grow into me a, something that changed my life. No one yelling at me changed my life. No one telling me I wasn't good enough changed my life. Someone that took the time to kneel down next to me and lead by example and say, I'm going to show you how to figure this out on your own. I'm not going to tell you the right way to do things. I'm not going to yell you into submission, but I'm going to show you the right way to do things. That's why we teach growth track right there. I'm not just plugging this because I teach the class. But I love what I do there because we don't teach what you're supposed to do. We don't teach 
anything. I don't tell you anything that you're supposed to do with your life. I teach you the theory on how to learn on your own. Because the best things you learn, you learn on your own, right? The best things I figured out, I figured out on my own. Truly, I mean, that's how it is for most people, I think. If, we, if you had to teach yourself something, you understand it a little better than if somebody else taught you. And nobody else can tell you different on how to do it because you taught yourself and you are the best teacher after all, right? Let's move down. Because it says, do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy, the laying on of hands, and by the council of elders. When, when you take Grocheck, you take a spiritual gift survey. Because, one, I want you to grow in the direction you're supposed to grow. If I have a table right here that Kyle tried to give me, full of seeds. And these are miscellaneous seeds. Maybe some corn, maybe some cactus seeds. I don't know if cactus have seeds, but this, for this, it has seeds. You have all kinds of different seeds on the table. And right now, on this table, they're going to do nothing, right? They're not going to grow. They're not going to do anything. They're just dormant. They're still good seeds. They're just not going to do anything, right? Now, each, anybody ever grow a garden? Anybody ever killed a whole garden? I was so proud this past year because I grew, I like growing, I like, I like morning glories because I think they look cool in the house we have. I love doing them. Kelly thinks they're pretty and makes her happy and, you know, it's fun to do. I tried some new fertilizer, killed every one of them. I mean, this stuff killed crabgrass. I was like, dang, what did I put on there? But so we take seeds and we're all, we're all these seeds, okay? And just like there's different types of soil and whatever and for different plants, we all have to go in different zones, areas to best spiritually grow, right? Listen, I've, I've used this example so many times, but it bears repeating. If I'm trying to grow spiritually, I do not need to read books on being a strong woman of God. It's not going to help me. Is there good information in there? Yes. Is there biblical truth? Yes, but not for me. <laughs> Listen, do not neglect, neglect the gift that is in you. What that's saying is, Listen, there's something very unique about you that you need to fertilize and grow and nurture and make be what it was called to be. And by doing something else, that's neglecting it. You know, if you're really, really good at one thing and you do something else, that's neglect, right? You know, if on a baseball team, I'm a really, really, really good pitcher. I was never, but in, for this, I was. And they stick me somewhere else in the field and I don't do a great job. It's not because I'm not a very gifted athlete. It's because I'm a pitcher. You know, if you're an outfielder and you're pitching, well, why'd you, why did everybody smack one out of the park on you? Because I'm an outfielder. Everybody is gifted. Everybody is gifted, period. Everybody is gifted. But where you are gifted is where you need to focus on your growth. And that's one thing we got to get into our head is that typically when someone's yelling at you for something in one fashion, and you can, listen, you can yell without yelling. You can yell with your eyes. I know my wife does it to me all the time. I got an amen for Clint. But look, you, yelling at you may be judgmental looks. It may be saying something without saying something. It can be a lot of different things. But typically when that happened traditionally in the church, it was because someone did something the way, or didn't do something the way somebody else did it. Well, this is the way we've done it forever. What do you mean you're not reading the King James Bible? What do you mean you wore jeans on the stage in church and didn't tuck in your shirt? What do you mean you didn't eat Chick-fil-A? 
Because something wasn't done the way it was always done. Because, hey, it worked for me. It worked for them. It worked back in 1972. We need to hold on to tradition. No, we don't. Are there some aspects of our tradition and our faith that we need to hang on to? Yes. But just because it worked for one person does not mean it's going to work for somebody else. Everybody in here is gifted. Yes? Yes. If you don't believe me, come to Growth Track. I'll teach you that. I promise. In fact, every Growth Track, when we take the spiritual gifts test, someone goes, yeah, that, that gift, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that. And then I show you, oh, but it's there. And it happens every class. And they're like, oh my gosh, do I have to preach Sunday now? <laughs> no. Do not neglect the gift that is given to you. Because it was given to you through prophecy, the laying on of hands by the council of elders. This is what that means. When we hear the word prophecy, what do you think? You think someone is looking into the future and like, oh, I see this and I'm going to tell you this and this is what's going to happen to you. But no, what prophecy a lot of times looks like, if somebody kneeling down next to you and says, you know what, I see you doing great things in your life. I see you as a great leader, and I see something in you that nobody else sees. I see unlocked potential in you that nobody else wants to exploit because you maybe don't look like I look, or you don't talk like I talk, or you don't walk like I walk. It's someone pouring into you when nobody else did. Somebody seeing something in you, a redeemable character, a testimony, something in you that nobody else saw. That's what prophecy looks like, is I can see something in you, and I'm going to pour something into you and tell you something that's within you that nobody else was willing to tell you. And by the laying on of hands, listen, somebody's been praying for you. I know because they call your name every week in this building. Nobody comes to this church that doesn't get prayed for. There are too many people in this building right now that people wrote on a connection card week after week after week for their salvation, and it came to pass. And when you get there, it's not because you just happen to stumble into the church and make it. It's because there's people that loved you enough to spend time praying for you, to spend time investing in you, people that saw something within you that nobody else saw that wanted to call on God's name in intercession so you would be here and you would reach the spiritual potential that you were called to reach. And for us to say, well, you know what? I just don't see myself doing much. I mean, I'm going to pray. That's insulting. That's neglect. Because you are called for so much more. Practice these things. Be committed to them. So don't give up. So that your progress, did it say that your goal? Did it say that your end result? It said that your progress. Because we're not finished products. Maybe evidence to all Pay close attention to your life and your teaching. What that means is pay close attention to how far I've come and the things that I've learned, the things that I've seen. And so that your teaching, uh, it says, by doing this, you will save both yourself, so it's going to help you and your hearers, and it's going to help other people. See, growth is not about a point A. It's not a spreadsheet. 
I can't explain to you how your life is going to go on a spreadsheet. I can't explain to you like, oh, look, coming out of college, you're going to think that you're going to do this, and then you're actually going to do this, and then you're going to walk this path, and you're going to be very confused for a very long time. I think on mine it says you're going to be very confused for a very long time, and then you will die. <laughs> it's just going to be my life. <laughs> I can't explain to you your spiritual growth on the spreadsheet, and I can't in this setting explain to you what you need to do to grow spiritually. I can tell you to seek God in prayer and in fasting and diving into his word. I can tell you to go to growth track because then I can sit down with you and help explain to you what works best for you to help yourself grow spiritually? That is what Growth Track is about. And people who take Growth Track, raise your hand. Was it that bad? No. See, Clint, Clint endorsed me. I love Clint. He's, he's my buddy. But listen, it's, that's what the entire week, the reason grow is, it's not there, but reason grow, <laughs> there it is. The reason grow is in there isn't because we're like, we want people to be growing. We want growing people to come to life point. No, we want people to come to life point and grow. We dedicate a class called Growth Trucks specifically to make sure people understand how to grow. It's important to us. We make sure that there's opportunities multiple nights of the week for you to come and no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're in recovery or you're a mom or you're single or you're dad or you're whatever, there's a specific group of people you can come in and hold accountability to and grow with them. It's important to us. That's why we've used this facility that we've been so graciously awarded to do. We don't waste time. We don't neglect gifts with people because we find it so important that spiritual growth is an ever-continuing progress and process that it's important to us. You know, there's no set theory that I can teach you from this stage to be like, this is how you grow spiritually. Because everybody's so different. What works for me probably isn't going to work for you. God had to teach me lessons along the way that were very unique to me. I had to walk through heartaches that are pretty unique to me. I had to do stupid things that were just pretty unique to me. But you know what? You had to walk through heartache that was very unique to you. You had to do some stupid things that were very unique to you. We've all had to walk such an individual journey that it's impossible for me from this platform to tell everybody how to grow spiritually. Let me give you an example. So everybody, everybody pre there's five people that mainly preach on Sunday mornings. So mainly it's my dad primarily, but he's out of town as we said earlier. You know, I told him he needed to wear an Indiana Jones outfit one day and take a picture, but he didn't want to do that. But so we have my dad, we have my mom, we have Matt Robertson, we have Trent, and me. And everybody just everybody enjoys when we mix things up on stage, right? We have different people speak. It's all everybody here. I I love hearing everybody speak because they're so different. For instance, my dad is the I call him the professor. Because, listen, so if he's, okay, y'all, if you got a bulletin, hold it up, okay? I want you to look at my sermon notes. Tracy loves it when I preach. Because <laughs> she's like, my job easy. I copy, paste, I'm out of there. We have Waffle House by 10. My dad has 29 fill in the blanks. But let me tell you something. If when my dad preaches, you didn't learn something at the end of the day, that's your fault. 
That is 100% on you. He makes sure that you have, an inform- and you have information, a way to remember it, and a way to stay focused along and carry on with it. He does everything in the world to make sure that the information you get is attainable. He's a, he has the heart of a teacher, and it's fantastic. That's who he is. That's how he does things. That's not how I do things. All right? But that's who he is. My mom is funny. Like, I've seen because she preaches on Mother's Day. She's the same way. She may not do as many fill-in-the-blanks, but she is, has the heart and the passion of a teacher. And she dives in and is very, very scripture-heavy. And if you don't walk away with a billion scripture references, that's, again, on you. We have Matt Robertson. Matt Robertson is probably, like, one of my favorite people to hear speak that is not in my family. First of all, like, he is the... Uh, he, he needs to narrate, like, National Geographic stuff. Like, he has that voice. Because that, that voice that draws you in, he can tell a story and keep you... Like, when Matt Robertson preaches, I want to throw a Yule log up on the screen. <laughs> he has that voice that just enamors you and draws you in. You hear a story, and there's this beginning to end, and it's just fantastic. He may not have all the blanks and everything, the... The, the, the teacher, but he's, he's a storyteller. He's an author. It's, it's fantastic. Trent has the passion. Trent is, is the, the intent. And if you know, if you hang out with Trent, he's, here's what's funny. Trent is the exact same way about anything he talks about. If you hang out with if he's talking about like IHOP or Jesus, he's the like intense. But that's who he is. And so if you don't feel inspired and you're like, ah, like ready to go <laughs> after trip reading, again, that's on you, but that's who he is. And like, I'm the funny one, I think. I don't know. But here's the thing. If I try to be as intense as Trent is, my voice is probably going to crack and y'all are going to make fun of me for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, if I, try to, if I try to tell a story like Matt Robertson does, y'all are going to be out like a light sleeping because I don't have that enamor I just I can't do it if I try to fill in the blanks like my parents do I'm going to be off topic so much they're like okay you missed a blank you missed a blank it's right there you missed a blank every time I tried it y'all like at the end you're like hey you missed number four you forgot number four I can't do that I can't be like them because they're all very unique and what they do works for them and not for me but we all do the same thing, kind of. We all get up on the stage and relay biblical information to you. But because we all do it so differently, it, it, it's, it's showing our unique characteristics. But the worst thing I can do is try to be somebody else. Can you imagine Trent trying to be quiet and tell a story? <laughs> It's not going to work. But listen, just like everybody who gets up on this stage does it their way and does it what's unique to them, you got something that you do that you need to do unique to you. Your spiritual growth is unique to you and you don't need to let anybody else tell you different. Because you might be walking a little different path than what somebody else walked doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. You know, the straight and narrow is a one-way street. Okay, you know, yeah, it's straight to heaven. But you know what? The way you get there is going to be a lot different. 
Some of us got really, really insane testimonies in here. Some of us got some stuff that maybe doesn't seem like a big deal to everybody else, but it's a big deal to us. Some of us took 50, 60 years to get saved and find salvation. Some of us were born into church. Some of us are single and married or newly single or newly married. Some of us are new parents. Some of us are new grandparents. But we're all so different. Why should our growth be limited? You know, when Jesus was on the earth, he had 12 disciples, right? He had 12. And he talks about each of them and their different personalities and their backgrounds and where they came from. But do you know why Jesus chose 12 different people and not the one disciple? Because Jesus wasn't in the business of making sure that one person got it figured out. But yes, would he leave the 99 to get the one? Absolutely. Does he love you just as much as anybody else? And if you'd have been the only one, would he have died? Absolutely. But Jesus, when he was here, was like, I'm going to take a group of people. I'm going to make sure that they get it. I'm going to make sure that this whole row of people understands it because you know what? Every one of them is going to have what we call a corner in the market. Somebody that they can reach that nobody else can reach. And when we're looking at our spiritual growth, you're not growing just so you can reach you. There's a corner in the spiritual market that you have to fit in that only you can reach. There's a group of people that will listen to your story that won't listen to anybody else's. You've earned an audience with certain people in your life and you know who they are, that they won't listen to a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, whoever, but they'll listen to you. And it's neglect if we do anything other than make sure that we find ourselves capable to reach those people. See, spiritual growth was never about reaching a goal. And yes, we're trying to get to heaven and be more Christ-like, but it's, an, it's a never-ending process. You know, there are people who have the same job for 40 years, and your goal every year is to be better at it than you were the previous year. If you own a business, your next year's sales need to beat last year's sales. Everything else in our life is an ever-continuing goal. Why is our spiritual growth not an ever-continuing goal? Why are we not ever in the pursuit of trying to reach non-believers and trying to further our own spiritual growth? You know, I think that once we've connected, once we've gotten, gotten in the building and we connect with each other, once we've found the church-like life point, we connect. You know, I think that we can find some, like, uh, so be content with that. You know, you found your home base. There's nothing wrong with that. Being content with your church. Being happy with your church. But your church is not the journey. Your church is the launch pad from which you go on your journey. And so our, our spiritual growth, if we're not continually trying to reach that next step and using this as our home base, then we're never going to be able to serve. The Bible says that Christ did not come to be served, but to serve. And next week we're going to talk about serving. But listen, if you don't use your connection as a platform to grow, you're never going to serve. If you don't serve, you're not going to be Christ-like. 
So before you can serve in the church and do that grand thing, that huge mission that God called you to do, you got to make sure that you're growing. And if you don't know what to do to grow, go to Growth Track. I don't know what else to tell you. We've given you, and listen, LifePoint is in the business, and this is not a sales pitch, but it sure sounds like one. we're in the business of equipping you with as many resources as possible. Literally, I've never seen a church, and I've been to a lot of them and all the studying I've done. No one equips people like LifePoint equips people. We don't, no one else gives you a platform of resources and knowledge to launch from like we do. We're cool people. I'm just saying, I can brag on us because we're cool. We do cool things. We have cool people. We have cool people with cool stories. We're not in the business of monopolizing a market. We're in the business of making sure as many people out there get reached and come to us. So I'm going to pray. And maybe you're here today and you think that you're not worthy of growth, that you're, you're a dud of a seed, that there's nothing you can do to grow. But let me tell you, I want, I want you to pray with me. And we're going to pray that God opens your eyes to see the unlocked potential that's inside of you. That God opens your eyes to see that you were fearfully and wonderfully and uniquely made. And with that, God, we ask you that you would open our eyes and open our ears and open doors that we can walk through to see the great and powerful things that you've done for us. That you can see that you've made each and every one of us unique. That we can see that you love each and every one of us the same. That you would bless us as we go forward in the journey. And help us to remember to be thankful along the way. That you would help us to never stop seeking you. That you would give us the mind to realize the purpose. Bless us in your wonderful son's name. And everybody said, amen. What I'd like you to do is stand with me. When I heard, when I knew Mikey was going to be doing this, I thought this would be a great song for us to sing as a prayer today. Because we want God's will. We want to be afraid to step out in this call and do it.